fashion, join a procession, the truth and the beauty. Okay, today we should be able to finish the apostles. This is the, the third session on the apostles, and so um, we should be able to wrap them up. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to. Um, do something that I've never done in any classes before, but um, I think it's worthwhile doing. I just I plan to do it for a long, long time, but just never get around to do it. So I've got lots of notes on it. Is to do the life and the journeys of uh, St. Paul. Um, I think that would be, and that might take uh, a few weeks because there's a, a lot to to say about uh, St. Paul and the things he did. But let's um, so let's recap on the. Apostles that we've covered so far. Simon, also known as Peter, of course, meaning the rock. Andrew, his brother. James the Greater, meaning the taller. Matthew, who is also called Levi in Mark's Gospel, probably because he's a member of the Levites, perhaps. Um, James the Lesser, because he was shorter. John, brother of James the Greater. Philip, and Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel. So, I might have and I might have covered another couple, but I couldn't remember. So, um, what we're going to look at now is one whose name we never call him properly by his name, Judas, and I don't mean the Iscariot. And in fact, and I think it's in Matthew's gospel, it actually makes the point because he's named Judas and says, "Not the Iscariot." So this is Judas, who's predominantly called by us in English, St. Jude. But in other countries, he's often called St. Thaddeus. His name, um, like I said about many of the, the apostles, they have more than one, more than one name. And he, because another one who was called Judas is another one we're going to get to. St. Thomas's own, St. Thomas, St. Thomas's own name is actually Judas. But he gets called Thomas. So, as well as there being around the, the uh, disciples, there were multiple Jameses, there are also multiple Judas or Judas, because of course Judah is a major tribe, major son of, of Jacob, that's why it would be so popular. Um, we know very, very, very little about um, St. Jude. If I was to ask any of you about St. Jude, what would you all you know anything about him? I said, tell me something about St. Jude. What would people say? The hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. Fair enough, right? If you're an American, that's that's true. And I'll tell you this, actually, Don. I suspect in the modern world, the way things are going, that hospital's going to have problems getting funding. Because as euthanasia, you know, if you look at places like Belgium and Holland and Europe, they are killing children, euthanizing children as young as eight. So you think about that's a hospital that's completely focused on um, research and treatment of childhood cancers when you're going to have people who are going to start saying, who are already saying, why spend the money on that? Why don't we just kill them? So that's a, an interesting aside, sadly, to some of the things that might happen in the world. What other thing would St. Jude be known for? Um, was he a cousin, a cousin of Jesus? No, he no. wasn't one of the cousins of Jesus. But, um, Impossible causes. Do you know why, Sandy? So he's like, if something um, seems 
beyond possibility. For example, me becoming a priest. Right? Um, although my mother, I don't think my mother did, and my parents, I don't think they did uh, seek the intercession of St. Jude. They probably thought even he couldn't do it. But St. Jude is a saint. But the reason why he's got nothing to do with his life as an apostle, it's got to do with an incident that happened in the, I think it was the 1400s, where in the Benedictine Abbey, there was an illuminated manuscript. So it's a manuscript that has all the fancy calligraphy and things like that. Um, it went missing, and it was held to be very, very precious and an important treasure of the monastery. And they sought the intercession of St. Thaddeus through a relic that they had of St. Thaddeus. And it was returned. It was a novice who had been kicked out. He ran off with it, thought he would sell it, and he actually came back, talked early. So from then, that's where the, I think, I think that's the right story. That's where seeking the intercession of um, St. Jude, St. Thaddeus, for lost causes comes from. His father's name was James. Yeah, another James in the whole story. If you've been keeping track, as well as the two that are called James, the two bottles called James, there's also um, another cousin of Jesus who's called James, who actually technically was after the apostles. And then at least two of them, the dads were called James. Jacob, of course, means beguiling the, the name Jacob. Um, also, like Judah, it's a very popular name. Still, it's a very popular name in Judaism. So he went to, here's what we do know about, sort of. He uh, evangelized and he went to the Black Sea coast and Armenia. So over to the map. There's Armenia, there's the Black Sea. This being the Black Sea, that would be the Black Sea coast. So he went there. And he was killed by being impaled. Um, after they stoned him. So they stoned him. He didn't die. This happened to uh, three of the apostles, I think. James the Lesser, if I remember. They flung James the Lesser out of, a, out of the top of a, from the battlements of the temple. And then he was still alive, even though he was in his 60s. And then they stoned him to death. So St. Saint, Thaddeus, St. Saint Jude, uh, was stoned. They didn't kill him. And so then they impaled him. And he was probably in his 70s at the time. One of the things about stoning, maybe I should have said this before, um, the way you were supposed to stone someone, I don't want to put any ideas in anybody's heads. Right? I'm not putting ideas in your head, Martin. Right? I didn't know there was a protocol. But there is a protocol. So, so here's the protocol. And this is, this is actually interesting when you think about St. Stephen in the Acts of the Apostles. The protocol was supposed to be that a town had a place that had a pit. And the person that was to be stoned would be stripped of their clothes and they would be picked picked up and flung into the pit. The idea being that they would be senseless when the stoning started. And if you remember in the Acts of the Apostles, for Stephen, he was awake. He had his clothes on. And the reason why they took their clothes off is because if you were padded going down, you were less likely to get a concussion. In fact, the stoning pit in Jerusalem had a big stone in it. You were, the, the people who were 
going to kill you, was supposed to fling you at the stone um, to either knock you unconscious or kill you there and then. Then they would stone you. So um, that's how stoning is supposed to take place. As an aside, um, I did this one in my other classes. Uh, it's in the in the book of Leviticus. It says, I'm going to pick on you. How old are you? 18. So the book of Leviticus says that if a child, so for Jews, a child is, roughly speaking, anybody under 20, right? If your child is disobedient, right, you could take your child to the elders, that would be these guys over here, right? God's a looking child, so you two take that over, over there. And if the elders agree that your child is disobedient, you then have the right to take them to the end of, end of the time and stone them to death. So, which means that many of us would have been well dead if we'd been Jews in the old days, probably. No wonder you're, about, you're nodding your head there. Yeah. But that, that, you're allowed to do that. I thought so, the extension cord was bad. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, got it. <laughs> Here, I didn't know they were invented then. Oh. <laughs> so that's St. Judas, Thaddeus St. Jude, we probably call him St. Jude, um, impaled after stoning, died in his 70s, in approximately AD 79. And Simon the Zealot. Um, the word zealot, of course, zealous, means really, it means in, um, in English to be enthusiastic. The zealots were a political party, but not at the time of Jesus, as I understand it. And it's a mistake, many people, you read things about Simon the Zealot, or even you hear people sometimes preach, it's talking about him, which he's only mentioned once, I think, excuse me, that he was a revolutionary. You see that in, um, remember the Jesus of Nazareth that was made in the 70s, I think it was Robert Powell, Franco Zeffirelli made it, Robert Powell with Jesus in it, it's like, four hours long, something like that. They, they represent Simon the Zealot as being a revolutionary. But that's probably not what it means, because that political party didn't exist until the 50s. So the, the BC, 50s BC, they were partly responsible for the what led the Romans to finally destroy Jerusalem in AD 70, which we of course will cover. But the Zealots... Um, were a political party who would have not wanted anything to do with any of these other men that we covered. Because as far as they were concerned, these guys were all, what's the expression, milk toast. Because they weren't willing to take up swords. And the zealots were all about. So that's not why he's called the zealot. He is probably called the zealot because he was a really like Bartholomew, like Andrew and Simon. And John, a really orthodox, um, loving, God-loving Jew. That's probably why he was called the Zealot. Is it like a nickname? We know almost nothing about him. Um, we don't know who, where he was born, who his parents were or anything like that. Tradition tells us that he went to Palestine. We all know what Palestine is. So he, 
missionary activity here, then Egypt, then Spain, then Gaul, which is close to modern day France, and then that he went with Joseph of Arimathea to this godforsaken country. <laughs> which, for those who can't see me pointing the map, is England. But he went there. He's supposed to have been the one who was with um, Joseph of Arimathea when they took the Holy Grail to Glastonbury. Anybody? You all heard of Glastonbury? It's a big rock festival every year now. Glastonbury, there's a castle there and things. Um, but they, he was with Joseph of Arimathea when he went to Glastonbury. Um, then when he came back, do you know the, who's the saint, the two saints that are at the same feast day? Two apostles? That is true. No. No. Simon and Jude. Simon and Jude. Um, because apparently when Simon got back from England, after he got over the flu, he, he met up with Jude and they both went to, they both went to um, Armenia. Um, and he was martyred again at the same time in the 70s. Probably, tradition tells us, by, by crucifixion, which means that the Romans killed him. Right, now, Thomas. So Thomas's name, his own name, his given name, was Jude, or Judah, but he's called, or Judas, but he's called Thomas, and Thomas actually means the twin. So that's not his given name, that's like his second name, like the way many of these guys so, Nathaniel's his given name, Bartholomew, son of Ptolemy, as I mentioned last week. And probably son of Levi, perhaps. But the apostles all have, which makes it confusing, different names. He was, of course, a faithful follower and was willing to suffer from Jesus. We know that because when Jesus tells him in Luke's Gospel, we now go to Jerusalem. I go to Jerusalem and I will suffer. And it's Thomas who's quoted saying, then let's go with him. Yes, sort of in the face of him being the doubter, that he's willing to go with Jesus to suffer with him. His missionary areas <coughs> were Armenia, Iran, which is over here, India and um, Southeast Asia, so they possibly got as far as Vietnam. But the Indian thing is the thing. So in 1533, when the Portuguese, uh, the Portuguese are, were the navigators of the world, the Portu well, Portugal's here. From the Iberian Peninsula, so this is Portugal here. I'm getting a shout in this map, but that's Portugal's here. The Portuguese, more than any other nation, sailed the world. If um, did any of you watch The Curse of Oak Island, you know the show The Curse of Oak Island? 
No, I'm not sure it takes place in North Scotia, against the ball or something like that. They've found Portuguese things from the 1500s. There are, uh, the Portuguese went all the way to Africa. The Portuguese were the first ones to go around Africa, and they landed in India in 1533. And when they got to India, everywhere the Portuguese went, they took either Franciscan or Dominican priests with them. Um, when they got all the way to India in 1533, they got off, and what the Portuguese explorers used to do was, they would, on the beach, they would get there, and they would celebrate Mass. What was the first thing Columbus did when he landed in the New World? Celebrated Mass. First thing that Europeans did, unless you think that the Vikings got to North America, North America first, and maybe they did, and the Vikings certainly wouldn't have been celebrating Mass. But they got there, they were celebrating Mass, and Indians came out and started blessing themselves. And then they brought a crucifix out. Then they started telling the Portuguese as much as they could all about Christianity in India. India, we call it the Saram Malabar. The right, you know, there's what, 27 different rites within the Catholic Church. The right is called the Saram Malabar. Malabar, I think it is. And, um, <coughs> they already knew all about Jesus. And they had Mass differently. And they had stories about St. Thomas because they, their patriarch took the faith to them is St. Thomas. And the Portuguese were stunned by this, as you can imagine, because they thought they were the first Europeans getting there. They were the first Europeans getting there, probably. But the faith had already been taken there. There are documents. <coughs> there are some scholars, not Catholic scholars, but there are some historians that claim that the Portuguese made this all up. But there are actually documents in Indian dialects that date from the 200s that I talk about Mass and talk about the traditions of St. Uh, Thomas. And there's, it's undeniable that certainly from the 300s at the very latest, the church was in Christianity, was in, uh, in India. So there are some, they have lots of stories about St. Thomas. So I'm going to tell you one now. So St. Thomas was talking to, to a Maharaja, which would be like a, a governor, right? but, but more royalty. And a, Bra, a Brahmin, that's a, a high-caste high priest of the Hindus, he uh, slapped um, St. Thomas in the face because he said he was a, a pagan. And St. Thomas said to him, um, because you've slapped me and because I was talking about Jesus, you're going to suffer for that. And the guy uh, laughed and he walked out in a line, ripped off his arm. <laughs> and he came back in, holding his arm. And St. Thomas said, is that painful? <laughs> and he said, oh, I guess, yes, I think. 
slightly painful. St. Thomas, yes. St. Thomas took his arm, stuck it back on, and said to him, that's the temporal punishment. Now you must avoid eternal punishment. You need to get yourself baptized. There are lots of different stories uh, about that. There's another story I was reading, um, if I remember correctly, that another Maharaja had been told that St. Thomas was an architect, that he could design things. So he gave him all this money because he wanted a palace built, and then he went off to visit another part of, of his province. And he came back and Sir Thomas had given all the money to the poor people. <laughs> and and he said to Sir Thomas, um, I'm going to kill you because you've given away all my money. And the man's brother dropped dead. And Sir Thomas touched the man's brother and the man's brother came back to life. And the, the, the man's brother said, I've seen the mansion that he built for you in heaven. And if you kill him, you'll never go and enter it. So, he got baptised. Now, we are told that... I need to have a go at the drawing in India, please. So, India is kind of this shape. Sri Lanka's down. Sri Lanka's down here. Pakistan is over here. Bangladesh is here. Goa, which is the part that the Portuguese landed in, and still where they still speak Portuguese, there goes about here. This part down here is very Christian. Uh, it's called Kerala. It's where most of the priests and nuns. Kerala produces more nuns, no, more Catholic nuns than anywhere else in the world put together. That's why Indian priests are beginning to appear in the Western world. Indian Catholic priests and Indian sisters as well. Bombay is in here. Anyway, um, so um, over here on the east coast, um, is uh, a small place called Mirabha, and which I know is a similar name to a place that's in Lord of the Rings. But um, there, as St. Thomas was going around and was um, baptizing and things like that, the Brahmins were getting angrier and angrier. Christianity has never been popular in most of India because of the caste system, because um, by our very nature of our faith, we are like, it's like us driving a bulldozer through the caste system because we say all people are equal. So they've never liked the caste. That's why Mother Teresa had such a problem when she went out to live in the streets because the people who had money would never help her. But the lowest caste people have always been attracted to Christianity, just like slaves in the past have been in different places. Because it teaches something other than the drudgery and the, and the horrors of here on earth that is attainable to get life eternal. So, um, the Brahmins, they tried to kill him a few times. And then on July the 3rd in 72 AD, according to the Samalabar church, because of fear of Christianity, a group of as many as 30 Brahmins got together with spears and all stabbed St. Thomas to death. And there's a church, we would call it a basilica, they don't have the term. But there's a basilica on the spot where St. Thomas um, is supposed to have died. Now, as I said, people have been trying to disprove this um, uh, continuously now for the last couple hundred years. Every so often, some non-Catholic scholar, scholar will come out and say, 
he doesn't think that's happened, he doesn't think that's happened. But even Indian academics say that this that this this is true, that Sir Thomas did go there. So that's a fascinating um, thing. Um, if I think as I'm talking, if I think of any more of these witty stories that um, Sir Thomas did, there's a whole lot of them. All, all about them getting the better of the, the Brahmins. And that takes us to the, the least popular um, of the apostles, of course, Judas the Iscariot, whose um, father's name was Simon. He came from Judea. There is um, some, and I've got handouts for you for most of what I've covered in the last few weeks. There's, there's some suggestion by some scholars that Judas the Iscariot was the only non-Galilean in Jesus' group. But of course, we don't know that. Four of them were definitely Galileans, because four of them were fishermen who all knew each other. Business. We don't know for sure where the other, we don't know where Simon the Zealot came from and things. And, and the reason why this was brought forward is because there has been this, this thing that's gone on, certainly in the last hundred years, of trying to um, reinvent the role that Judas played, played, even to the extent where there was a group of priests in the Netherlands and Holland who were trying to introduce his cause sainthood, saying that if Judas hadn't betrayed Jesus, um, then he wouldn't have died on the cross and things like that. And that's completely, that's completely bogus. This is like, sometimes you may have been asked this, what if our lady, what if Mary had said no? Well, it doesn't matter, because she said yes. Right? So if she'd said no, God would have found another way, and we'd never heard of her. Right? Because God would have found a way. But she never. So, it's the same thing with, with uh, the Iscariot. Um, just as, so you know, the Iscariot possibly comes, the, the, the genesis of the word Iscariot might, might be dagger, and it's possible he came from a family of brigands. So, he was a rugged from the start, as they'd say in the old country. Um, so the thing about him being a foreigner is, is um, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to be a foreigner surrounded by other people. I have no idea what that would be like. Because everywhere I go, I just, people take me in to be their own. Um, it's an excuse because they think that he was pushed aside. But if you remember in John's Gospel, John, John says, by this time we knew that he was stealing from us. Right? So, and I know people who support Judas Iscariot would probably say, oh, that's revisionist history. But you can't prove that. So, anyway, the Iscariot, you know, he betrayed uh, the Lord for 30 pieces of silver, which fulfilled the prophecy from Isaiah or Jeremiah. Um, he then went off and killed himself, and um, the rest, as they say, is history. And then they realised in Acts of the Apostles, so Phil, since you're here, could you read 
chapter 1 in Acts, verse 21 to 22. So, Acts, first chapter, 21 to 22. Therefore, it is necessary that one of the men who accompanied us the whole time, the Lord Jesus, came and went among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day on which he was taken up from us to come with us a witness to his resurrection. That's great. Thank you. So um, Peter realized that if Jesus picked 12, there should be 12. And how did the work credentials did someone need in order to replace the Iscariot? And the credentials were he had to have been there from the start. So like um, John James, Andrew, and Simon. Uh, Matthias was probably a disciple of John the Baptist, and he had travelled with them, them all. There is a tendency, and I think this has got something to do with paintings and also movies. We have this tendency, I would suggest, to think that Jesus is walking about, and it's only these guys, it's only them that are with him. But of course, that's not true, because we know that there are groups of women who travel with him. He called them the apostles, but the disciples were a much larger group. And obviously Matthias was one of them. So he'd been with them from the start. All we know about him is that he'd been with them from the start, and that he was stoned to death, probably in AD 51. And he was probably in his 40s. And the region that claims to have been visited by him is yet again Armenia. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, apostolic tradition. Um, so that's the that's the twelve. Well, the thirteen. So now I have some handouts for you, which cover a lot of what we what we talked about. So in the first handout, it's two-sided. And it's the apostles. So I'm going to do a chunk of them to and out and then. So in this handout that's coming out um, to towards you is the. The names of the, the apostles, um, their other names, if they had one, their parents, where they were from, as best we know, their occupation, if we know it, um, their writings, if they have any, and the tradition of, of how they how they died. Um, so I just want to go through it because there are some differences. To, to what I said, to what's here. If you remember the very start of the classes of the Apostles, I said that there is a lot of um, discrepancies and lack of clarity and things like that. Has everybody got that? Yes? Okay. So, if you look at uh, Peter's pretty straight, uh, Simon Peter's pretty straightforward, right? <coughs> we, we covered that. Same with James. That's the same thing I said. John, the same. Andrew, the 
the same. Bartholomew, the same. Philip, the same. Thomas, the same. Matthew is slightly different because it's got his occupation as a publican. Many times you read about Matthew, it has publican, stroke, tax collector. That's that's what's going on there. We, in our in, in Catholic tradition, we tend to talk about him as a tax collector. Uh, the important thing is whether he was a publican, whether he was a tax collector, whether they did an overlap thing, which they probably did. The important thing is that see what he did. Simon, if he was a zealot, as in the political party, they would have been fighting all the time because Simon would have hated him if he had been of the political party. They couldn't they wouldn't have been able to coexist. So then we have James the Less, then Judas Thaddeus, and you see underneath Thaddeus at the bottom of page one, it says uh, Labeus. In some documents, some script, um, manuscripts, he's called that. So you might see that if we're talking about him, if you read a book about, about these guys. Then Simon the Zealot um, says that he's from Galilee. We don't know that. Um, and then you have Judas the Iscariot says he's from Bethsaida, Capernaum, and Jerusalem. That's quite a spread. His mother must have been running about in labour. Um, and then you have Matthias, which we know very, very little about. It says there. And then, of course, Paul, who we're next going to um, cover. And it's true. Is, but we do know who his parents, at least who is Paul's father. But we'll cover that when we get to it. We do know the name of Paul's father. We do know where he came from. Where did he come from? What's he called? Saul of? Tarsus. Get from a place called Tarsus in Cilicia, which I'll cover when we start on next week. But Cilicia is there. Even on the map. Tarsus is in there. So we do actually know where he's from. But, um, he was a tent maker. Did you know that? Did you know he was a tent maker? So we know what his father's occupation was as well, because his father was a tent maker. We also know, of course, he was a Roman citizen. So that's one handout. The next handout is the lists of the four different lists of the apostles. And on the other side of it is interesting facts about the Apostles. So as I, <clears throat> in the very first class that we did on the Apostles, I put up the, the different, actually I don't think I put up the list, list from Acts, I put up the, definitely put them up from the Scripture. So you can see as you look along that, that um, it's in the, predominantly, it's in the, the not so well known apostles that we have um, confusion with different names. Um, although, I seem to recall that in Mark's gospel, it's 
doesn't say Bartholomew, it says Nathaniel. Um, and he, this guy put this together. Um, these were all sent to me from a, a friend. He didn't make them, he found them somewhere else. Um, and I just thought they were very useful because they cover what we cover. So we've got those lists. And then on the flip side, we just quickly interesting facts about the apostles. Where the lists are, um, that most of them have more than one name. Um, four were fishermen, one was a publican, stroke perhaps a tax collector, was a tax collector, one was a zealot, or was zealous, not known what the others were. Um, two families were partners in the fishing business, James and John, and Samadhi their father, and Simon and Andrew. Eleven of the twelve were from Galilee, Judas was the only Judean, that's not necessarily true, I would put a note there, not necessarily. There's no proof to that. Um, when, it, when that next thing says not one of the twelve was a professional religionist, perhaps not, but not necessarily, because, and this guy, when he put the verse together, in John's Gospel, there's a scene the Lord's been arrested and they're going to the high priest's house and you might remember John is able to get Peter into the inner courtyard and some people think that's because um, you'll see it over on the other side underneath the picture about four down in John's it says was a personal acquaintance with the high priest that's not necessarily the case but it may be and it's been speculated that John was training to be a local rabbi so it may be that John, because this definitely happened with Paul, that John had been sent by his parents to Jerusalem to go to rabbinical school. That might be why he knew he knew people, not the high priest. They didn't, they didn't mix in those circles, but he knew people to be able to, to get in there. So, so it could be that one of them was a professional religionist, if you want to call it that. Um, that's why I should, should put that in my next visa application, shouldn't I? Occupation, professional religionist. Get back to this thing saying, what? Peter, James and John composed the inner circle of the apostles. Talked about that before. What, there are many theories on that. My personal one that I hold to is that Peter was, of course, the leader, the chancellor of, of the new church, new kingdom. And James was the first martyred. And his brother John was the last to die. So they kind of dovetailed the message of salvation. Um, Jesus needed to be named Peter, as we know. Um, in Greek, it's Petros, or, um, rather, it's, it's Petro, and in Aramaic, it's Kephas. Both mean rock. Uh, as we covered, Peter was brought to Jesus by his brother Andrew, a native of Bethsaida, the home in Capernaum. Um, he was a partner in the fishing business had a wife, and his wife accompanied them in many, in him in many of his apostolic travels. That's touched upon by St. Paul in 1 Corinthians, as you can see, but also, as we'll talk about it, in pious tradition as well. James, older brother of John, was first to, to die by King Herod. That's why the rest of the apostles scattered, because... Herod saw that it made him popular. This is not Herod the Great who killed all the babies. This is one of his 
one of his sons who didn't ex who escaped being killed by the father. Herod killed 22, Herod the Great killed 22 of his own children. That's why killing all those babies was nothing to him. Uh, he was paranoid. He died a horrible, horrible death. Um, it was foretold that he would. His, inner, his inside burst open and maggots came out and things like that. Don't feel sorry for him. He was not a good character. Um, then John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, had a house in Jerusalem, perhaps. Um, would have been a, a cousin of Jesus of Salome, his mother, and Mary were sisters. And they were, so you know, he's um, James and John were cousins to, to the Savior, and so were Matthew and James the Lesser. They were cousins on another side as well. Uh, Thomas was a twin, hence that's his name, that's what it means. Thomas means twin. Uh, Philip brought Nathaniel to Jesus. Um, and James the Less was called the Less because he was short, um, which means he must have been probably <laughs> something close to five feet, since at that time the average uh, full grown Jewish man was considered tall if he was five foot six. Um, among the 12 apostles, so Jesus had selected a tax collector, this misunderstanding here of what uh, a zealot is, um, and just saying that they two were major rivals. So they wouldn't have gone well. So that's, but, but the zealots didn't exist at that time. Um, next, handout is where they died, and when they died. Where they died and when they died. Now, depending on where you went to, if you went, if you went to um, tertiary education, college, university, um, you might be thinking, I hate when professors did that. It's made us sit through all these lectures and he gave us out handouts that had all the notes on them. You pay more attention when you're told the thing. Because if I'd given these out at the time, people would have just went. And then I'd need to have picked on them. So, okay, so how they died. Peter crucified head down at his own request. Perhaps that's not necessarily the case. As I mentioned at the time, the Romans liked to um, experiment on different ways to kill people. Hence them having a big empire for nearly a thousand years. Uh, Andrew was actually killed in a place called Petras, not Edessa, but it is in Greece. Petras is... It's a big industrial port now. If you get in the ferry from Brindisi, is in the stiletto of the Italian route. The uh, ferry from there goes to Petras. Neither place is very attractive. I can tell you that from personal experience. Um, James, uh, this is James the Greater, 
beheaded with a sword, and was killed by Herod, first apostle martyr, martyr. John died in Ephesus, um, as that mentions there, he was, the Romans did actually try to kill him by burning him, boiling him in oil, that's that great story where he started putting him in the oil at 6 o'clock in the morning, well, at dawn, and he got to sunset and he said, oh, I don't know about you people, but I'm, all, I'm bored with this, so let's, maybe we could stop. Then Philip, um, Syria, crucified. Bartholomew, says here India or Armenia. Most documents say um, Armenia, beaten, flailed, and then crucified him upside down. They wanted him dead, didn't they? They beat him, then take his skin off him, then crucify him upside down. They wanted that man dead. Uh, Thomas, um, says here Greece. Of course, this is clearly this man who put these together is one of those who doesn't want to admit that the Indian church has its tradition from the apostles for whatever reason he's got. Because he didn't die in Greece, he died in Mirabah in eastern India. Lanced to death by, see he's got here idolatrous priests. They were Brahmins, they were Hindus. And then they tried to burn his body. <coughs> Matthew, um, ten, to here, killed in um, Ethiopia, well maybe, um, accident death with a halberd, you know a halberd is? A halberd is the big, sorry? It's a big axe, it's about my height and it has a normal axe head on one side and a spike on the other side, so what you did with the halberd was, I don't even know if they existed at the time of Matthew's death actually, what you did with the halberd was the spike was used to crash into the armour of the person to pull them down and then you pulled it out with, put your foot on them, pulled it out and then you twist, you span it round and you went at them to get the head off. So, it was like so, a can opener. Yes, <laughs> yes, but I don't, I don't even know if halberds existed then, but anyway. Um, James, Jerusalem, thrown down from the temple and then they found he wasn't dead, even though he was an old man, and then they clubbed him to death with a fuller's clud. Now, do not look up what a clud is on Google. Alright? Do you know what a clud is, Kishan? Right. So, just accept that what they mean here with a fuller's clud is a big um, indigenous rock stone that is used for cleaning stains and cleaning things out of when their when um, fullers are uh, bleaching because they often use urine bleaching cloth and things like that to get them white. It's a big stone that they've used so they're talking about. They stoned them, right? And I'm not joking, don't look up clud. So we always home and look at that. No, don't. Don't do it. Okay, I'll tell you what, I can tell you what a clud is. A clud is, is nowadays is it's a rather older medical term, and it means a fun, uh, fungating infected testicle. Nice. Told you I was looking up. <laughs> yeah, 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 so, I mean, you can see the connection, <laughs> but, yeah, told you, don't look it up. Because when I read that, when that was sent to me, and I printed it off, and I was reading it, and I feel this blood, and I thought, what? Anyway. So I had to go and find out what a fuller's clad was, as opposed to, anyway, never mind. Moving on. Bella Page. 
Thaddeus, potentially killed in Greece, crucified. Simon the Zealot, uh, they're saying he was killed in Britain, but he wasn't. He was killed with, with St. Jude in Armenia. Um, and St. Jude was, Thaddeus was impaled. Um, Judas Iscariot, of course, suicide by hanging. Matthias, stoned to death. I don't know when he's getting his beheaded, I've never read that. And Paul, which we will find out. Paul is, was indeed um, beheaded. The thing about the, this chart saying that Matthias was beheaded, generally speaking, you were only beheaded if you were a Roman citizen. And there's nothing to say that Matthias was a Roman citizen. We know that Paul was. Right, so um, what I've got here is now, I've mentioned him a few times, um, Flavius Josephus, who was, um, I'll mention him more uh, once we get into the destruction of Jerusalem. But Flavius Josephus was a contemporary Jewish historian who happened to be also become a Roman citizen. How he became a Roman citizen was he wrote a very flattering history of the invasion of, uh, of, of Israel and, and that managed to stop him from getting killed because Titus liked the things that he wrote. But um, because I've mentioned him in the past, I thought I would read a, a quote, out if I had time and we do, um, a quote from Josephus, what he said about, about Jesus. So Flavius Josephus wasn't a Christian, never a Christian, he was a Jew. And he lived from AD 37 to approximately AD 100. He was born and educated in Jerusalem, and he had been a general in the Jewish army. And as I say, he also could write and he wrote history, and the, the Romans liked it, so they didn't kill him. Here's what he said about Jesus. About this time there lived Jesus, a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him a man. For he was one who performed surprising deeds and was a teacher of such people as accept the truth gladly. He won over many Jews and many of the Greeks. He was the Messiah. And when, upon the accusation of the principal men among us, Pilate had him condemned to a cross. Those who had first come to love him did not cease. He appeared to them, spending a third day restored to life, for the prophets of God had foretold these things, and a thousand other marvels about him, and the tribe of the Christians, so called after him, still to this day have not disappeared. So that's written at the time of these men. You'll have people who will say to you, you'll see it on things like National Geographic and History Channel, that Jesus didn't really live, or you can't, these are not what the stories that we've heard are not authentic. They never, ever mention Josephus. Now, this is a completely independent individual who said these things. And there is a, there's a letter that exists from Pilate to Caesar, um, to Caesar Tiberius, it is. And in that letter, it has this kind of thing in it. But that letter is bogus. That letter didn't appear until 800 or something. But this is contemporaneous. And this is not a Christian writing. This is a Jew writing to Romans. And so he's mentioning, he says he was the Messiah. He says he performed um, 
a lot of amazing things. He says he rose from the was was restored to life, and uh, he was foretold. That's a really powerful witness for for us um, in a world that would say we believe in fairy tales. These are men who lived at the time, who touched people who lived at the time. You know, and Saint Paul talks about that in one of his letters. He says that. Um, he appeared first to Peter and then to the others and then to 12 then to the 70 and then and he more or less what Paul says is if you don't believe me you can get in a boat and go across the Mediterranean and you can meet people who saw Jesus walking about after he was dead so that's that's why I read that out right we've got a very short time left so just here's a kind of time frame very quickly of things in Paul's life that is why I think it would be interesting because some of this until I studied Paul I had no idea. So the church had been established for about three years before Paul became a Christian. Paul persecuted the church probably for at least the next three years. He then became a Christian about four to seven years before Cornelius is mentioned in Acts of the Apostles did. His first missionary journey began approximately ten years after his conversion. I think there's a tendency we think it all goes along with this. Paul lived at least 32 years after his conversion. Of Paul's 32 years as a Christian serving the church, nine were spent in his three missionary journeys. His first missionary journey was approximately two years. His second missionary journey was approximately three years. And his third missionary journey was approximately four years. The church was available to the Gentiles during the last 28 years of Paul's ministry. Paul's first Roman imprisonment occurred some 25 years after his conversion and about seven years prior to his death. And until I um, studied Paul, I didn't realise that, um, and I'll talk about this next week, Paul converted, went to Antioch, got his sight back, went right back to Jerusalem, and I kind of thought it all went on from there. It didn't. He caused so much problems in Jerusalem because uh, he was on fire with the Spirit that the apostles sent him back to Tarsus. And he didn't get called back into the fold for 10 years. And in that 10 years, he was living a quiet life, maybe, quiet as Paul could, making tents and possibly evangelizing the, the people around Tarsus and Cilicia. But it was when they started having more difficult tasks that they called on Paul. And that's a, a really fascinating um, aspect of his life. Okay, so any questions about what we've what we've covered? Any observations? Anybody, any quick observations about the apostles? Yes, John? None of them lived to die a natural death. Apart from John? Uh, but some people say he didn't. But yeah, John. They were all martyred. Yeah. Yeah. In the first 300 years of the church, as you'll find as we go through it, more and uh, more people were martyred than not. The, for, the, for the first, I think it's the first 140 popes, all of them were martyred. Imagine you were the first one that didn't get martyred. You'd be thinking, what a failure. <laughs> but to become, it's a bit like, you, you think, some more recent times, the Reformation times, in Rome, the the English seminary for, Eng, for, for England, right, not for Britain, but for England, the English seminary 
has actually got the title of venerable. Like the way, you know, you get servant of God, venerable, blessed, because it produced so many martyrs. And St. Philip Neri, as he was walking around Rome, if he met any of the students from the English college, could tell by their cassocks, he would get down on the, the cobblestones and kiss their feet and shout to everybody and say, come to shake, a ha- to shake the hand of a martyr while you can. Because by being ordained a priest, that was a death sentence. And many of those young men, when they got off the boats in England, they were arrested right away and taken and killed. And that was the same with police. That, that's why for people to say, as some people do, um, that this is myths. People don't die for myths. Right? People, don't, people don't give their life. People don't shed their blood for myths. They don't, they don't quietly pray for people when they're being flailed, beaten, and then crucified. They don't spend two days on the cross praying for all those people who are killing them for a myth. You know, they, they do it because they know it to be true. And it's true in that they know it in their hearts. And that, that's why it's, they're all such a, a great example to us. Okay, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and be kindled in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created. And thou shalt be Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The night of the archangels. Amen. May us sift out against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God, you be him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits the prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. The Lord be with you. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us today. You can listen again to this or any other episode of Let's Talk Catholic at our blog, Let's Talk Catholic Podcast.blogspot.com, or you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or almost any other podcast provider. You can also like us on Facebook. Let's Talk Catholic is produced by Nick Medelsky and can be heard right here on Relevant Radio in Northern Michigan, Saturdays at noon.